Hi, Claire and James here. Just before we get stuck into this week's episode, we wanted to let you know the exciting news that the Midlife Reset Audit is now live. This is a first-of-its-kind personalised diagnostic tool designed for midlifers by midlifers. In just three minutes, the audit will help you pinpoint what's really holding you back from living your healthiest, happiest midlife, and most importantly, provide tailored strategies on how to take back control. Midlife doesn't have to be a time of uncertainty. It can be an era of growth, discovery, and well-being. So to go ahead and take the audit, go to themidlifementors.com forward slash audit. Finances, love them or hate them, they're not just a necessary part of life, but will ultimately determine how much freedom we get to enjoy it. In this episode, we talk to entrepreneur and financial expert, Jason Greystone, about his own inspiring journey to becoming wealthy and the steps we should be taking to start building our own financial freedom. It's not about working harder or longer, but it's about earning what Jason terms the right to risk via smart investments and creating leveraged income streams. In this fascinating episode, we dive into the impact our beliefs have on careers and money, what stops midlifers from making the necessary changes to their financial situation, as well as the vital calculations we need to make sure we live a great quality of life into old age. Hi, I'm James Davis. And I'm Claire Davis. We're the Midlife Mentors, here to lift the lid on how to achieve health and happiness. The balanced, no-nonsense way. episode of the Midlife Mentors with me James. And to me Claire, how are you all? Well what have we been up to Claire since the last episode? Well I feel like we've been putting out the podcast quite thick and fast, mm. we've been getting lots of messages about our recent podcast, the um, the last one we had was last week which was uh, Dan, Nitro, otherwise known as Nitro from uh, the original American Gladiators and he was talking a lot about male vulnerability and um, what happiness really means and success and that was really really lovely to speak to him we've had lots of nice comments about that one we also got lots of feedback on our podcast about being unfulfilled at midlife mm. and change that yes. and we're on Liz Earl's podcast and that's brought us a load of new listeners so if you're joining us from Liz Earl's podcast welcome yes yes welcome thank you so much for joining us and thank you for joining us across all of our social media platforms as well you know we've um we've really increased our numbers on Instagram and we're also on TikTok by the way um, we're at the Midlife Mentors on TikTok. We're about 90,000 followers on TikTok. So bump it up, make it some more and say hello over on TikTok. Well, on this episode, we're going to be talking finances and how to build uh, your financial security and your, and your wealth, really. So we're joined by an expert in this area, entrepreneur Jason Greystone. Hello, welcome, Jason. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, pleasure. Good Great to be thing. here. So, Jason, I, I, I'm, I haven't quite got the muscles of Nitro, but I... Uh... <laughs> my best he's amazing such such an inspirational guy like i don't know whether you've seen it the uh we actually watched muscles and mayhem on netflix funnily enough we started watching that yeah i started watching that yeah really great really really great you really kind of get to know the characters and after that we reached out to him and wanted him to to tell his story on our podcast but yeah jason has the most amazing office that he's sat in obviously listeners you won't see this but pretty cool bond layer isn't it james now (laughs) 
I can't lie. It's uh, it's a somewhere where I never have to leave, and I I really enjoy it in this this office. <laughs> like your man cave. It is, yeah. If if you can say man cave these days. Um, I think we're all right, there, especially with our audience. That's Jen- all right. Yeah, everyone's middle middle aged in this uh, in this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Jason, you've got your own successful podcast. I've listened to to quite a lot, actually. Really great information about finances, building wealth. Just want to maybe talk us through how you got started this area because you had quite an unusual start into it, didn't you? Yeah. Um, oh God, where'd you begin? I mean, basically when I was, when I was a, when I was a, a kid, uh, a, a child, I, it was just me and my mum. My dad had kind of left us to it. And uh, we grew up on this council estate, um, you know, t- typical story of, of broke bailiffs knocking on the door for electricity and, pitch black and cold water and it it really was like that and uh i guess what that instilled in me is some kind of fear or, or yearning for security uh and and when i grew up i i had a high value on my possessions not losing things having things secure and i knew that i i wanted to you know i knew i was a little bit different from from my from my mom and uh, other family members and people on that estate from a very early age, and uh, yeah, there was a there was a one moment when I was a teenager, a couple of moments kind of in synchronicity, if you like, where when I was thirteen years old, where um, I noticed that everyone used to kind of congregate on the on the the steps at the foot of our block on a Friday night after the week was done, and kind of you know it's like a mothers' meeting type thing where everyone kind of bitching about the week and moaning about money and all that kind of stuff. And I remember they had a really, really negative view on money. And, um, and the funny thing was, is, is this guy called Roy used to come down and take everyone's money for a syndicate lottery at half seven. And then everyone would start talking about money in a positive way, like how it would change their life, how it'd be amazing. And they literally had spent it in minutes, you know, in their, in this conversation, I was, and I remember thinking, this is weird. You know, what what the hell? Like they they just told me that money's evil. And now they're saying that they it's amazing. And I and I didn't like I didn't have it all figured out. I was I wasn't even 14 at that point, but I remember thinking, this is this there's something not right. And then uh luckily later that year, um, I wanted a BMX bike for my my birthday in October, which was coming up, and in the summer holidays. Um, I kind of left clues for my dad, my stepdad and my mum that I wanted this bike. And and they were like, well, it's 200 pounds or it's 209 pounds, actually, with the trick nuts that I wanted. And uh, and they couldn't afford it. And they said, look, if you if you raise half, I'll uh, we'll give you the other half on your birthday and then you can go down the shop and get it. And I was just like, deal. So I started looking out like I had no idea what to do. But there was this green in the middle of our estate with cars all parked around it from all the people that lived in the estate. And I thought I'll just go and wash some cars. So I spent all day washing this car and then uh, making sure that there was like nothing that they could knock the money or anything like that. Anyway, they gave me five pound plus a two pound tip, seven pound later in that, in that evening, I'm in my bedroom talking to my mate and he's like, I'll help you do it if you want. And I was like, well, I can't really pay you because I want to get the bike, but I was delighted. I thought at this rate, I'll get the bike in no time. Um, Tomorrow I'll go out and wash another car. Uh, And that, my dad came my stepdad came into my room at that point and he said i'm going down to safeway do you want anything from the shop and uh something just made me give him my entire earnings for that day to get another bucket and a sponge for my friend 
And the next day we washed four cars and then two of my other friends started joining and I bought more buckets and sponges. And then within four weeks, I was literally not washing the cars. I, I was just knocking on the doors, getting the money, making the sales, and they were washing all the cars. And it was a massive turning point. I just remember, like, I remember looking over the balcony because we had all these balconies and, and all the, the kids washing the cars. And I just, it just clicked. I just thought, these people don't like money because they're not using it the right way. They can't be managing their money the right way because if you use money the right way and for what it is, it can actually leverage, it, it can actually provide you with, you know, an inspiring life where you get to choose what you do and you get to not do the stuff that you don't want to do. And you can, you know, you can use it to, to your advantage. And I, it was just a massive light bulb moment. I, I just thought that I'd figured everything out at that point. I was like, wow. So with that in my mind, I took that into work. I took that into my, you know, my apprenticeship. I took it into the workforce and I had this kind of goal that I wanted to be savvy. I knew it was possible. I knew if I could replace, you know, I knew if I could use money the right way, I could get to a, a, a good place. And, um, and then it all kind of skyrocketed or, or I got a fire up my, my jack side when, uh, when I found out at 22 years old was going to have my first son. Um, and that just, you know, put a fire in my belly, made me want to get into investing, using my money to to grow, grow my money, um, even speculation, things like that, grow my income uh, to the point where when I was 29 years old, I, I didn't, I got to a position where I didn't need to work. So that was, um, you know, leading to where I am now. Uh, I've been doing that for a long, many years. And um, I got to a point where I was surrounding myself with a lot of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who had no idea about how to manage their money. They're earning a lot of money. They, they were in a position where they, they thought they should have more to show for what they've earned. Um, probably a lot of your listeners will resonate with this because it's, you know, midlife, uh, 30, 38 to like 50 years old. There's, there's this, a lot of people seem to start thinking, well, what, you know, one, I haven't got much of a plan too. I haven't really got what I thought I would have by now. Um, and I started talking to all these different people and I realized there was a massive, you know, gap, if you like, in the education space for helping people um, get on the right path with their money. So I, I just started talking about that, launched a podcast that went to number one. And then we, uh, yeah, just the rest is history, really. I just get to talk about money and finance and wealth and well-being and financial freedom every day. I love that. What? That's, a, that's a short answer, but yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's often, isn't it? Often uh, our moments as children, uh, whether you know, it's really interesting. Even if they might be what would be deemed on the outside as kind of quite negative or quite a tough yeah. beginning, those are those those are those moments we have. I, w I won't call them epiphany moments, but there's those moments where we do, as an adult, look back and think, actually, it was probably that mo that moment that really drove yeah. me. For you, it was. And we, we hear this sometimes with our clients, it's about not necessarily having that security and just thinking, I'm going to make damn sure that I'm never, I'm never not going to be secure myself and have that yeah. sense of um, responsibility for myself. It, it, I think it, you either go two ways, you know, you're, apparently your character's developed by seven years old, your beliefs, you know, everything that you believe is is embedded in you by the time you're seven. And I think you can go either way. You either, whatever you perceive to be a, a, a big void in your life, you either 
stick that really high on your values or you know you could just go along with it and believe that money is evil and you know you find that certain people that get have abusive parents go into abusive relationships and so on and so on it's the same with money you know if if someone's always looked after your money you 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 just kind of you're this victim that go out goes out into like oh i've never had to look after money i'm not good with money and you just you identify as someone who's not good with money but in actual fact you know it's a choice um so you, you can go one way or the other but more often than not whatever you think is the biggest thing missing in your life you you take the other side um goes for you know everything people that don't have um you know people that are family orientated that that didn't have good upbringings they make sure that when they have kids they have you know the good christmases and the family round and all that kind of stuff so it's, it's fascinating uh human psychology is just uh, fascinating but yeah that that's definitely what drove mine yeah, yeah we love it to the point where it becomes a problem right because like I, there's there was yeah. a, a few years where i just felt guilty whenever i'd go out and leave my kids or um i don't like losing things still if i lose something i have to literally either find it or order it again on amazon or something so i've got it in my possession again it's it's a real you know that's something that's still with me today <laughs> so. i was gonna ask jason do you think like um i mean you can't ever overly generalize but do you think like our like generation x like people who are midlife now because we have baby boomer parents certainly my parents they come through those austere post-war years and it's very much i mean we were never like hard up but they're always like, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard to earn money. It's anyway, if you stop for a minute, you'll lose everything. Do you think that's quite common for people in our in our age range? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the you know people listening to this particular show um, will resonate with the fact that we didn't question enough. Uh, we go into things based on what our parents think was a good idea that wasn't necessarily a good idea for us. Like I'll give an example, forget money and career. I learned in a, in a manual car because I asked my stepdad, what should I learn in automatic or manual? And he says manual. I didn't really question it, but his, his reasoning was, well, then you can drive both cars, but I didn't care about driving a manual. So it took me longer. It cost me more money. And when I pass my test, I've driven automatic cars all my life. And now all cars are going automatic. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's not good advice. Like that is just because he thought you should drive an automatic. And if you don't care about manual cars, like why would you learn an automatic? So we don't question it. And it, it, as a result, you might get resentful because it costs you more money. It took you longer to pass your test. It might like later on, you start thinking, why did I learn in a, in, in that, you know, um, and that, and that is very common in careers. People, I've I've worked with countless people who go into law, accounting, doctor, um, and it's an idea that their parents want them to do. So they they look up to their parents, and uh, you know that's one thing I I make sure my kids do not look up to me whatsoever. Uh, you know I can't have that. Uh, but they look up to their parents. They want to please their parents and appease their parents, and they go and do what their parents want them to do. And then about 35 years old, 36, 37, when they start earning the top money in that field, they realize that there's not much more money. And if they, you know, even if there was, they wouldn't want to take it because the responsibility and the pressure at that level is so vast that they would rather have less money. And, and, and they have and they start thinking, I wish I'd always done that. And then they try and start reverse engineering their life to get back to doing what they should have done in the first place. Right. And it takes, and that is very, very costly, very timely. 
they feel they then start beating themselves up about that because it's like oh god i'm running i should have done this years ago i'm running out of time and and it's just this it just happens too much and it all comes from not being able to take information and then produce your own kind of synthesized analysis of that uh, which aligns to you as a person and what you want out of life we just we just take this advice and just go with it even if the person giving us advice has got completely different goals or completely different values you know and it's i think one of the biggest skills anyone can learn particularly if any younger kids are listening to this or if if any of your listeners have kids just tell them to like take advice and and be able to like solve paradoxes of advice because there's so much advice right there's someone telling you something someone telling you the opposite and the beauty of being able to take those two things and say well what do i want in life so what do i believe out of that what do i believe out of that what do I, what could i use out of both of those and smash it together and how's that going to help me but that's a much better approach than just going okay i'll do that and then becoming very resentful for someone later on down the line yeah i, I think um that really resonates for me so i I went and uh, did a did a career like like we all kind of did. We went to university. If we were lucky, we went to university. We came out. We got into our job. It didn't matter whether that job felt wrong straight away, like it did for me. Like immediately, that job felt wrong. Um, and it was so funny because I always knew that I wanted to be. I always had this entrepreneurial spirit, but my my parents weren't like that, and my brother wasn't like that. So I kept kind of almost being resentful, being like pushing against that that lifestyle and wondering why I kept getting fired <laughs> just fired over and over again I was like this is me this is terrible I'm really I'm a really bad person I'm a really I'm awful um but what I didn't realize was I was just wasn't suited I'd taken on like you're saying I'd taken on other people's and societies my parents ideas of what yeah. I should be rather than listening to that and it took me 14 years to start really allowing myself to be who I wanted to be. You want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's my whole message. And, and you only feel like you only put yourself down or feel guilty when you are looking up to someone of, of someone's opinion. If you've got someone's voice in your head, that's why like with my kids, I'm very careful about what they look up to in me. I don't want them to compare themselves to me ever. You know, I, I want them to make sure that they're doing what they want to do. Cause it could be something simple. Like imagine like, Imagine your kid is, is I don't know, one of the most common things at the moment is kids are doing the YouTube thing, right? So that is a very, very successful, you know, I recommend everyone does YouTube. That's, a, you know, we just made 1.8 million in the last three months from YouTube, which is phenomenal, right? That that's, And that has just happened as a result of sticking to it and doing it for years. And, you know, it's the eighth year and now we're paying off and we just hit out, we've got our plaque up here with 100,000. And, and it's it's amazing, right? But kids go into it. Let's just say that your parent goes into the kids' room. Oh, what are you doing? Not that YouTube thing again. But the kid's going to think, right, I've, this is something I've got to hide from my parents now because they're ashamed of it, right? Even though I'm looking at all these creators and my friends that are doing it and they're, you know, they're, they're having fun, I've got to now hide it or like shy away and keep a part of it away from certain people that's going to cause guilt in them. And then they're not going to want to talk about it, not going to want to bring it up, not going to want to, they're going to feel like they're a failure to you. And, and I, I couldn't think of anything worse than having my kids like 
think that they've got to be like me for instance you know you mentioned you're opposite to your siblings all siblings are opposites of each other that's literally how we are um how we evolve we evolve as families so that we have a most diverse um you know chance of survival so one will be more empathetic and compassionate one will be more uh you know logical and more kind of on the business side of things and one might be more family and and you know it, it we're deliberately raised like that for from an evolutional standpoint so most siblings are gonna be opposite so the last thing you want to do is go be my, more like your brother you know that's ridiculous so yeah, yeah. and there is some shame around um around that be, being different from your sibling and yeah compare you, you grow up comparing yourself to that sibling and I, I know that I did for a really really long time because I was always here that I went traveling around the world on my own I was really out there I was doing all these things making a bit of a mess of my life but in a in a fabulous way I look back now and I think if we had children I would love my you know I'd love my children to go out and make a mess of it in the way that I did because it created what I am now but um yeah there was always that guilt and shame of why can't I just be grounded and just stay at home like my brother (laughs) yeah yeah crazy Jason you're talking there about um learning how did you so you've talked about it on your podcast like how you started off getting into investing in shares and i think you you went to a lot of these like seminars and coaches you know we've all seen them advertised haven't we where it's like come to the seminar and you'll learn how to make ten thousand dollars a day by trading and stuff yeah i'm sure you've you, yeah. you had a road into this how was how I've, was- I've seen a few yeah the reason i got into kind of the social media and and online presence was and education even was because i was sick of all that stuff um by the time i'd got the result that i wanted i was still looking around and thinking you know there's there's so much crap out there i just wanted to be transparent so you know how i got into it was i just opened my trading account and i started trading live in front of everyone for free and everyone was like tuning in and there was kind of nothing bad anyone could say because i was in my pants in my office like trading real it was real and raw as it got like and uh and that was great. And that's, it's taken a long time to build a very loyal audience. Um, I could have got rich off of YouTube very quick if I'd sold the dream, you know, but I'd, I'd, I want to be able to look my kids in the eye and keep some integrity. So I decided to play a much longer game and teach people the truth. And it so happens people don't want to learn the truth. It takes a long, long time. So, um, so that's what I, that's what I did. But back in the, in the day, you know, when I, when we found out we was going to have um, my son, what it was, I was, I, I wanted, I had a, I was putting a plan in place for my finances and I, I downloaded or I bought Microsoft money, which was basically a, a glamorized spreadsheet. And uh, you could forecast and project and do these graphs and things, and you could put in figures. And I figured out this little formula um, where I could replace my income, my active income for a, a passive income, a, a truly passive income, an income that came from you know, leveraged sources where I didn't have to actually exchange my time and space for for money. Um, and I realized that if I invested 10% of my money into uh, certain investments and returned a seven to 10% per year investment uh, return, in about 20 years, I could replace my income. And I was, you know, I thought, that's great. I don't know why they don't teach that in schools, because you go and work for 45 years, but hey, ho, uh, now I obviously know you should just go into a job that you love and work forever, right? As, why not do that? But anyway, everyone's trying to escape their job. So I thought 20 years, that's okay. That's that's 25 years off of most people. And then when I found out that I was going to have my son, I 
felt like I had failed because I felt like I wasn't in a position where I was ready. Uh, and I don't think you're ever ready at 22 years old. Let's, let's face it for that news. But um, I definitely didn't feel ready. And it was haunting me from my upbringing. And, you know, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be. And we were, you know, I wasn't stupid with money. I was saving. I, you know, I'd saved a bit of money. But it really put a rocket up me. Uh, and, uh, and I started becoming obsessed with getting this figure down from 20 years to 10 years to 10 years to five years. And how could I do that? And, you know, it was trial and error of trying every investment vehicle. What returns am I getting on average for that? And how does that project out? And what if I um, increase my returns? What if I increase my income? Um, what if I increase my savings that I put into my investments every three months? What if I uh, grow my income by 10% per year? What if I uh, go into something a little bit more speculative and, and you know, risk a portion of the total account? And how does that grow? the? And I, anyway, I became obsessed with this thing. And um, I eventually got it down to uh, three and a half years in the end, uh, from the point of learning to trade. But in that in that time, I was, you know, subjected to I must have blew like 50 grand in the, in the, in the markets and, you know, not stupidly. I wasn't approaching it in a way where I was like chasing get rich quick. I, I was approaching it from a you know, very logical view, but I, um, I was still very naive as to, as to how that speculation side of the world works and the zero sum business where you're beating someone at a, you know, at a game essentially. Um, and I was looking at online poker and options trading. And then I, I, dabbled a little bit in the financial markets and uh, eventually came good. So uh, that paid off. And then I got to a position where I could just let the, let the job go. And, you know, since then I've been working harder than ever, ever since. <laughs> I, I was always free. Now I'm never free. <laughs> the difference is, is, is you're, uh, you're able to, when you can choose how you spend your days, you fill it up with, with yes. lots of great things and there's not enough hours in the day you love it right so yeah. um what do you it. think is the biggest you you said you mentioned you said that you work with you know bankers lawyers accountants and they get to that place where they reach that ceiling and then and then they realize oh my goodness you know i can't really make any more money what do you what do you think are there, I suppose, three, you know, three or four limiting beliefs ar around that? What do you see as people's most limiting beliefs around money at that age? Because I know that's going to resonate, obviously, with our listeners. And they, yeah. they'll probably think, oh, it's not just me. Well, the, the, the biggest one, the, the biggest trap that people fall into is they think um, the more money I earn, the, the more I'll become financially free. Well, I've, I've worked with, I'll give you an example, a YouTuber who was earning $250,000 a month and had no money at the end of the year, you know, no money. And, um, and if you, you know, if you um, added up his lifestyle costs uh, and calculated how long, if he lost his, lost his income tomorrow and you calculated how long he could live for without drastically changing his life, it was about four weeks and uh, and the same is true for someone who's usually earning 20 grand a year because they raise their lifestyle to the to just underneath or beyond even their income and when you do that you're it doesn't matter how much money you're going to earn because the habits of you trying to out you know outbuy your 
your limits is going to be there and that is usually coming from keeping up with the joneses keeping up with the keeping up with the you know with the with the latest fashion and the friends and you don't want you want to send your kids to a certain school and buy the certain bag and buy the certain car and all that um so that's that's the first trap um the second trap is thinking that time is money so people think well time's money and they keep telling themselves time's money well if you believe time's money you're going to be very limited to what you can earn because there's only a certain amount of hours in the day and i think what where a lot of personal fitness trainers and doctors and people like that they take on all the private work and they get they charge per hour or whatever and they get so burnt out because they've got no time and they they think and then they think well i'm already working like 16 hour days i cannot earn any more than this and i'm stressed and there's no way that i can become financially free because i'm stuck you know i can't go down because i've raised my lifestyle to the to just underneath what i'm earning uh so i'm yeah, I'm going to have a breakdown. And, and I mean, it goes into serious situations where people can't see a way out. And, you know, what happens next? You know, they 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 go to a real dark place and even worse. So some big traps. Um, people fall into traps of getting on the property ladder for financial freedom. Um, that's not related to financial freedom. It's, it's, it's you know, you, you've got to live somewhere. If you put all of your money into a house, what what gives you financial freedom is income. When you put all your money into a house, you've got to then go to work to pay for the upkeep of an empty house. You can't break a brick off of the house and pay for breakfast with it. You know, it, it just doesn't work. So all of your money's in a house and uh, and you've still not got any income. So it's it's just listening to poor advice, poor strategies, not doing your numbers, and then think his time is money. And then thinking the more I earn, the more I'll, more chance I've, I've got to become financially free in actual fact the truth is this if you have you know take however much cash however much liquid liquidity i call it right so liquid assets if you've got cash in the bank savings in the bank if you've got any kind of quick you know maybe you've got a rolex that you can sell very quickly something you can you know bonds isas anything you can get your cash on uh hands on really quickly if you add all of that up and then you work out your lifestyle expenses and then work out how much actual leveraged income you're generating, meaning income coming from something that doesn't require you to actually be in a physical place where you have to answer to someone. Um, and then what you do is you take the, the cash, the total lump of cash, and you divide that by the lifestyle costs minus the leverage income. And that formula will give you a figure in time, how much time you can buy into the future. The beautiful thing about doing that is, one, you don't need millions and hundreds of thousands to become financially free. Um, and two, it's uh, the lower your expenses are, the easier it is to achieve. And the beautiful thing is, is when you do reach a position where you are financially free or close to financial freedom, you could be earning very little, but all of a sudden you have the creativity and the choice to bring alive part of your mind that allows you to make more money because you start focusing on doing things that you actually love and when you do that you can make a lot more money than something you're not inspired to do so um yeah obviously there's a lot of ground covered in that in that answer but it's worth thinking about you know uh, think about think about the numbers and how much how far or how much money 
how much time you can buy into the future based on your current lifestyle costs. That's the first thing uh, I would recommend you do because this podcast is midlife, right? Um, one thing that I see people not really taking too seriously is retirement. And um, I saw this guy at a seminar, funnily enough, James, you mentioned a, a seminar. One guy, he stood at the front on this flip chart and he said, right, what's the uh, average life expectancy? And everyone was like, I don't know. And he said, well, I'll tell you, it's 77. And then he said, what's the average retirement age? And they were like, 65. And he wrote 77. And he wrote 65 on the board. And he said, that's 12 years. He said, what's the average pension pot in this country? No one knew. It was 86 grand, right? So 86 grand on the average pension pot is you've got to make that last 12 years, right? Um, and that works out to what? 600 pound a month. Wow. Now, if, you, if you've got 600 pound a month for 12 years, that's not, I'm sure that's not where you expect to be at that in your golden years when you've, you know, you've put all the work in, you've done the hours, you've served your time and you're living on flipping hot dog dinners for, you know, like a peasant in your, in your retirement. Um, and then you've got to hope that you die at 77. Otherwise you become a burden. You become a burden and no one wants to become a burden. Right? So you become a burden on your kids or you better hope that you've raised, raised some kids that have high value on financial freedom and can help you out. But ultimately you become a burden. So just being aware of that, like not many people think about that. Um, and, and another scary thought is people think that, oh, yeah, I'll downsize my house. And, you know, you're not going to want to downsize your house as much as people actually do that because they have to. You don't want to downsize your life when your your brain doesn't change. You know that, right? I know that my brain's the same now. I still feel like I'm 20 in my head. Right. When I'm 75, I'm still not going to I want the dignity of not having to go. Oh, I better move into this tiny little place and move out of this just so I can live. You're not going to want to do that. The place you've built a family and the place that you've, you know, you love and you've built a home from all your life. You think about that. Think, put yourself in that position at that age. You're not going to want to do that. So, yeah, just being yeah. self-aware and putting your like putting yourself in that like deathbed situation. It's um, a, a great exercise to do. I think people don't want to because also right now we're in a world where there's instant gratification as well. It's kind of like I can have this now, 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 now. I don't need to think about the future. We're not encouraged to think about the future, are we? We're encouraged. It's like, you know, the health and wellness industry. It's like, oh, take this pill, do this diet. You can have... And you say about you took the long game. No one wants to hear that because it's not sexy, is it? No one wants no. to hear it takes ages and really hard work and lots of things that you're going to have to not to deny and sacrifice. Yeah. Because you're in a world now where everyone's quick fix, instant gratification. No one wants to play the long game. So I can imagine with what you're talking about there, we just bury out. And I'm guilty of this completely. This this is an amazing podcast for, for me personally. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, you know, we do bury our heads in the sand. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. But, but I mean, the long game, I was talking about this yesterday. We was talking about the YouTube thing. And, you know, it started with me just putting out my knowledge and wisdom and things I'd learned, lessons I'd learned. And I just kept doing it for eight years. and then. On the eighth year, we then earn, you know, 1.8 million in, in three months. And 
that little nest egg ju just came from that video that took that blew up and took me a week to create is the exponential effect of doing that for eight years but also is eight years a long time to create 1.8 million because that could now i could have a hundred grand a year lifestyle for the next 20 years nearly just off of that video um One most, video. People, yeah, <laughs> no. most, most people earn a million in their lifetime so is eight years really long I, I don't think it is and i think people need to really get to grips with what work they need to put in and for what amount of time and yes if there are kids listen to this 10 years you know you need to grind something for 10 years and go all in uh and then you'll see the results like you can't not see the results after 10 years but 10 years is is what you need to put your back into yeah. to, to be good at anything that's, that's i've never seen it done quicker than that yeah. No, that's that's a false dream we're sold all the time, isn't it? In the in the world of the internet marketeer, like overnight success. Um, Jason, while you were speaking, I was imagining lots of people like getting really excited and like scribbling on the back of an envelope, like, oh yeah, I'll get the money, and then just dropping their pens horrified when you talked about pensions. Um, there <laughs> might be people listening that that have kind of sorted out their finances, like people that haven't at all. Um, what is a good place? What steps should someone take to start building their financial freedom now if they need to get yeah. going? Okay. Steps are, um, so everything is around investing your money. Okay. Uh, and an investment in money is basically an asset and an asset is either created or bought. And those assets, the goal for those assets is to beat inflation and give and, and make your money become more money. Right. The first easiest thing anyone can do, and this is something that people just hate me telling them sometimes, but it's been the biggest life changer in all of the people that I've worked with. And that is to work out what your lifestyle costs are and then save up three to six months of that and put it in a high interest account. That's it. Right. And, and, and I'll tell you why there's an instant investment return on that. Let's just say that I'm a, I'm a builder. And, uh, and I've just done some work on your house, on your kitchen, and, uh, and, and you owe me the final bill. And you ring me and you say, I, yeah, just come around. I, we're going to pay you your money, but I just need you to sort these snags out. We've got a couple of things we're not happy with. Because I've got no money and I'm, I'm desperate for that money and my, I'm in animal brain mode, I'm going to get my back up. I'm going to get agitated. I'm going to be on a defense. I'm going to speak to you a bit. Uh, you know aggressive i'm going to come around i'm going to be aggressive well, you know what, what do you mean there's nothing wrong with that and you're not going to recommend me you're probably not going to pay me what you owe me you're, you're definitely you know i'm never going to speak to you again and uh and you pay me or whatever and i'm out the door if you if i was to if you just had that exact situation where i've got six months of my living costs in the bank and you ring me i'm not in survival mode i'm not in animal mode i'm not like threatened so my answer to you is completely different. I'm like, no worries. I want to come around. I want to make sure we both have a long-term relationship. I want you to recommend me. I'm going to come and make sure it's all good, right? I take two days to fix the things. Make sure you're absolutely, I go above and beyond because I'm not driven by scarcity. You recommend me, you tip me, you recommend me to all your friends. You pay me what I'm owed. You know, now I'm inundated with work. I've got, a, you know, I've got, I'm oversubscribed. I charge more because there's more demand than there is supply and people waiting list, right? There's an instant return. When you have cash in the bank to relieve that animal part of your brain, you become a better, more caring, more calm. 
a better parent. You don't snap at your kids and your partner and your better colleague and better boss and better everything, right? So there is an instant return on having a cash cushion, I call it. Once you've done that, you want to think about like earning your right to risk as if it's like this big pyramid. And step one is the cash. And then you start putting, once you've got that, you then save a bit more money, say three months living costs, and you start putting that into a very low risk, low cost, passive investment, something like an index fund, right? Where you're getting lower returns, but it's guaranteed income because it's gone up for the last hundred years and it always will. Um, and you get your feet wet and you just, you know, you're not worried about it working in the market because you've got the cash in the bank. So it's not going to cripple you. And then once you've got that, then you start looking at maybe some stocks, maybe look like learning how to pick out some decent stocks and you save some money and you put it into stocks. And guess what? When you, when you put it in there, you can still sleep at night because you've got six months in index funds and six months in the bank. And you know that if you put a bit of money in the stock, it's not going to ruin you. Right. And then once you're good at that, you start looking at a higher speculation. Maybe you go and look at a crypto coin or a property or something and you put some money into that. What most people do is they build a pyramid upside down and they put their whole net worth into Bitcoin or shitcoin and they can't sleep. Like, and, and if you can't sleep at night, you have not invested in the right thing you, yeah. because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know the probable outcome. And, and that's what it's all about. Earning your right to risk by knowing the probable outcomes at every stage. And uh, when I invest in, in Bitcoin, I know that it could go to zero. I assume that money's gone. Um, therefore, I risk a, a portion of my money that isn't going to keep me up at night. So if you can build something like that, you can, you know, it can be very sustainable and very, very, you know, accelerate that thing uh, beyond belief. Um, and then there's growing your income. So growing your income, putting how much goes into the top, into this machine that you're building, it's very easy to grow your income um, with the opportunities we've got today. Is you know we've never we've never been in a time where it's so easy to form partnerships and reach people that you couldn't reach before. Uh, the key to that is to make it leverage because freedom's the goal. Um, and if you're enslaving yourself in something, you still won't feel free. When we had the the pandemic, a lot of people felt freer, even though they were locked in their houses, because they experienced financial freedom. They were they got rid of they they downsized their expenses because they weren't keeping up with the Joneses. You couldn't even take your car out, right? So no one was showing off. They were receiving leveraged income or passive income through furlough checks or whatever bounce back loans and what have you. And they could choose how they spent their day. They organized their day in order of how they wanted to do it. So they prioritized first and that's, you know, that's where you want to be. So if you can do that in a, in a job, um, you're going to feel free. If you're, if you're mobility free and you're mentally free and you're free to choose how you spend your time each day and get paid, that's, that's the ultimate, you know, I, I would, I would say that's something that you should, think about just over a quick question like how long would you say if someone's like yeah but how long is that because we talked about the whole eight years thing how long is that going to really take jason like from when i do that to reaching a point where i'm financially free how long would that take me um this that's a good good question there's a there's a rule um the 58 10 rule this is what i basically started on when i was uh 22 and 
if you can get to a point where you're investing 50% of your income at an 8% return, right? It will take you roughly 10 years to replace your income. Now, that's ballpark and that accounts for inflation and things like that as well. You want to factor that in. But if you can, you know, at least you've got three figures to play with. So let's just say that you can you can only invest 20% of your income. Well, maybe you get a 10% or 11% return because you're you've learned how to pick some stocks or you've gone higher up that speculation ladder. Well, then you can still do it in 10 years, right? Um, the truth is, you know, where I got to was where I I'd I'd kind of adopted everything. So I was investing about 20% of my income, but I was getting about a 22% return. Uh, and it, you know, I got it was a very, very rapid um time frame after that. As I say, it was three and a half years uh I needed to do that for to replace my my active workforce income. But the the truth is if you if you build this machine and you do it properly, you can do it anything from three and a half years to you know eight years. And I don't think that's a long time. Uh, particularly if you haven't got a plan right now. Uh yeah. it's 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 pretty attractive. That's amazing. That is amazing. Jason, this has been really educational and inspiring. So now, I amazing. know um you you offer um programs and help people to like, actually achieve this. Um how yeah. can find you and find out about those programs yeah look i don't um i don't actively sell programs to people i i like to give value for free and then if they get you know if they if they go far down the jason graystone rabbit hole and they've listened to me <laughs> and my nasally mid-tone voice for long enough they 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 reach me and they message me and they say right how can i work with you um so the first thing i would say is go and listen to my podcast from episode one um, and sign up to my newsletter because basically I wrote a newsletter after spending all the time with the entrepreneurs that I was surrounding myself who were terrible with their money. I started writing a newsletter every Sunday and uh, I got some really, really heartwarming feedback uh, where people would spend like two hours drafting out their life story and send it to me. And it was amazing. And a couple of people said, I'm dyslexic. I can't really read it. Can you do an audible version? So I launched the audible version. Um, and the idea was in sequence, in order, I was going to share exactly what I recommend you do. And that's what I did. But the podcast on launch went to number one in three categories on iTunes and then received all these, again, heartwarming, review, like heartfelt reviews. And I thought, wow, you know, this this is actually important information and people are really digging this and getting a lot from it. So um, I always recommend people go and listen to episode one of my podcast. Uh, and, and if you're still listening by episode six, just send me a message and tell me what you think. <laughs> Can you confirm what the name of your podcast is, please, Jason? The podcast is called Always Free. Always Free. We'll put that in the show notes. And do you have like a website or social media channels where people can find you as well? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of fake accounts of, of me. So if you do follow my, you know, if you go to jasongraystone.com, you'll find my social medias there. But if you do, as you follow me, you probably will get contacted by someone else pretending to be me asking if you are investing and all that just please ignore them and report them because the social media gods don't seem to do anything about them no yeah no problem big problem on social media jason thank you so much that's been really uh, yeah fascinating and inspiring so thank thanks amazing for so incredible no, thanks thanks for having me
wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I know I, I for one, I'm going to go back and listen to all of that again and start making notes as well. But I know our listeners will as well. You've just provided so, so much, uh, so many insights and so much valuable information there. So thank you. Thank Amazing. You. Thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Midlife Mentors with Claire and James Davis. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at info at themidlifementors.com with any questions or topic suggestions. And make sure you join us on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can find us under The Midlife Mentors. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and don't forget to take the Midlife Reset Audit now to receive personalised insights into what's holding you back from living your healthiest, happiest midlife. So go ahead and take the audit now at themidlifementors.com forward slash audit.